So everybody can hear me. Hi, everyone. Welcome to whatever number episode of Tea Time with Olay this is. I don't know because this is impromptu. We do not normally meet on Saturdays. It's normally a Thursday thing. But I was gonna I was gonna end up ranting on Twitter. So I figured, you know what? I have an outlet for this. <laughs> Let's just do it this way. And I felt like that made more sense. So if you aren't familiar, I'll give you a little bit of a background on where this conversation is coming from today and what's the larger discourse. But so two years ago, Tory Lane shot Meg Thee Stallion. He shot her in her foot 
And she immediately, her initial reaction was to cover for him, to protect him um, from getting in trouble with the police. She didn't, she lied to the police for him and then she didn't say anything otherwise. Um, public perception immediately once it happened, people assumed he did it and it was the joke of the black community. Everybody cracking jokes, making fun of Meg XYZ. From there, his publicist decides to, you know, start leaking stories, basically trying to absolve him from any invo involvement. And that is what hurts Meg and antagonizes Meg and leads her to coming out and saying, no, he did shoot me. And then from there, they start this large, large campaign to gaslight her in the public, to come up with all these conspiracies, to slut shame her, uh, to pretend as though, you know, there's some mythical truth that'll be revealed at trial that'll show that she is lying on him because that makes sense, right? Um, and so initially, I didn't want to wade into that discourse at all for a lot of different reasons. I think Twitter and, and the internet is not the best place for nuance, like for a long, for a complicated discussion, something that's just not, this is my one position or my position on the other way. So, which is why I have a Lurinati. A Lurinati, I started that Substack so that I could have the larger conversations and really like explore the issues and have these nuanced discussions on things. Because the thing about the Tory Lane situation is this. I am I'm obviously I'm a defense attorney, so I'm not somebody who's like, oh, yeah, you you did something bad or you're accused of doing something bad. You know, fuck you through, you know, through you under the jail. That's that's not my position. That's not my perspective. Um, and I'm an abolitionist, so I don't think it helps because that's basically my frame for things. I try to get past what is our initial our initial feeling like I'm a person like everybody else. I'm going to see things don't like a person, have an initial initial thought, be like, fuck them, fuck that. Um, but then I think. Does Eliami's feeling, does my gut feeling, is that what's better for us as a collective, as a whole, as a society? And that's usually what brings us around to abolition. So I'm not somebody that's under the impression that jail or prison All right. I'm not somebody who's under the impression jail or prison is going to make anything better or going to make Meg or Tory Lanez whole or going to do anything. And I'm also not somebody And I'm also not somebody who thinks that, you know, this deserving conversation, people say, okay, well then, you know, y'all need to just admit that some people deserve prison or jail. And that's not what I think either. This isn't a situation where I think like Tory Lanez is some especially evil guy and he deserves jail. Like it's not even a really, that's not really the conversation. That's not really the feeling for me, what it's about. What it's about is what Tory Lanez did after. It's not like, listen, Whatever you do, you are a person with a with clearly issues, like beyond anything. You clearly have a hot temper, your issues, your gun. There's a whole lot of things to unpack and explore how you and, you know, not dealing with your issues allows you to react poorly and how you could end up shooting this woman and, you know, being apologetic or whatever it is. That doesn't mean that does, that for me is not what makes him inherently a bad person. For me, the problem is you gal knowing you did something wrong you galvanize an entire world of black men to go and attack and disparage this woman you know what the fuck you did regardless of what you need to do in court i'll never hold it against you you need to defend yourself in court you need to say you're not guilty for whatever reason that's a whole different separate conversation but you decided to go create this entire social movement against this woman that doesn't help you that didn't help him that didn't help him in court that doesn't do anything for him so it'd be a different conversation if that's what he needed to do to advance himself but it's not he instead, he and a bunch of people decided to make it their business to to attack this black woman. And the problem for me is 
that isn't limited to Meg. You know what I'm saying? Like people, people will think, okay, she's a celebrity. She's a this. That's why we're talking about it. No, 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 no. That what they did to Meg is just a larger version of what they do to black women every day. Like, and I'm not, and that's not me saying like, that's not hyperbole at all. I mean, literally that. And I knew that as somebody who has experienced domestic violence as a black woman who was in a black community. And even down to the level of like Meg was a bigger, is a far bigger star than Tory Lanez was. Way more support, way more fan base, way all of this. And yet they still, you know what I mean? All these people jumped to go to go to go take his side. And they never loved Tory Lanez before. They never championed Tory Lanez before. When he was beefing with everybody and their mama, they never championed him. Now suddenly against this woman, okay, all right, the woman, the woman is the villain. And that's something I've experienced. So I said, you know, um, and I wasn't, and listen, I am not a person and I, and I say this, I'll give you the background. I'm not going to assume that everybody here has read both essays that I put on Illuminati, but I, I'm not somebody who goes around, um, telling everybody, Oh, you know, I'm a domestic violence victim or a domestic violence survivor or anything like that. It's not, it's not central. Um, like I, I have a, I have a whole lot of a life lived filled with trauma. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not top five trauma for me. Um, but I don't go around, you know, sharing that because there's a way that people receive it as a way that there's a whole set of things that they think. So I usually really only offer it up when I'm, when people assume because you're an abolitionist, when you say you're an abolitionist, people go, Oh, well, you wait till you wait till you experience crime. And because you're a woman, they can't wait to be like, Oh, wait till some man, you know, do something to you. You won't be singing that tune. And it's like, well, yes, actually I will. Yeah. I actually will be singing that tune, and I know this because I have been a victim of domestic violence, and I am singing that tune, and I can tell you why, and explain all of that, um, that nuance, I guess, and why that is. And so I've always, I've always pretty much done it like that, and I usually, I also haven't offered. I'm somebody, as y'all know, obviously, that's how y'all are here. I'm online. I am very open. I share a, a lot about my life, but I don't share um, trauma as trauma. Like I tell things that are traumatic, that are traumatic. If you, you know. If you parse through it, like the white ladies that follow me usually do, because they they never just allow a joke to sit. Um, but I usually present things in in a very comedic form. That's how that's how I go about things. But in the case of so that's how I've always been about about my even my domestic violence. Like friends of mine in real life could tell you there's a way that I know how to tell that story in a way that is very lighthearted or in a way that usually centers him. It's about you know why well, I don't think this would have helped him and this is the next thing and I don't offer up what the experience was for me because, you know, one, you don't want to trauma porn, you know, just unload trauma on people for what reason, you know, just to, you know, you know, just to hear yourself speak because it's something you have to work through. And it's not that for me, right? Like I've sorted through it. Um, I have no desire to have the right, nothing about sympathy does anything for me. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't offer it up and I didn't think, and I've never, I've also not, waded into you know protecting black women discussions or domestic violence discussions because the way they are on twitter is they don't they lack nuance and i'm not gonna say one little excerpt that gets taken as you know um as a as a messaging cry for carceral feminism because that's not how i how i feel either but what i realized in in i'm i'm somebody like this as y'all know i think there's something very important about about speaking speaking into the world saying the things that need to be said and just hoping some people some some people will latch onto it and recognizing that others won't you know they won't and they will they will reject it they will criticize it they will find whatever you know or they just simply don't even consume it because a lot of where you get criticism especially when you write things is from people who certainly didn't read the article um but 
I feel like, you know what? All right. It's clear to me there, there's a whole larger world. The, the larger world doesn't give a fuck about black people, period. Like period, let alone black women. That's a whole nother conversation, right? So I don't expect that me sharing my experience about domestic violence is going to make people suddenly care about the plight of black women, like everybody. I recognize it going to people, it doesn't matter how, how emotional I tell this story, how much, you know, they won't be moved, which is why, you know, there's so much in, there's so much to psychologically overcome when deciding, you know, okay, I'm going to share my trauma and watch people take something that's deeply personal to me and tear it up and make it this and, you know, completely disregard it and move without any sensitivity. But that being said, I lived the trauma far worse. So, you know, what, you know, what can they do in terms of an essay that's, that's going to upset you. But the reason why I said, all right, let me, nonetheless, let me offer it up. And I, and I sat on it and I thought about it because I had originally last month when I wrote Abolition Meg, Abolition Tory Lanez and Meg the Stallion, I originally, this was a part of it. It was one big long piece and I decided to break it up with into um, volumes one and volume two. But as I was writing the story about my experience with domestic violence, I realized I was fucking exhausted. I was like, you know what? This is, this is like, this is traumatic for not me, but the 20 year old me. Like, I feel for this 20 year old girl in this story. Um, this is a lot. This is really draining. It's going to be really long if I try to write this from the way that I usually tell it in, in also taking it, like writing it from the perspective of this is why his feelings and what I think would have happened to him and blah, 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 blah. And the way that I usually would, would center him to explain how I, how I come to still be an abolitionist despite having this really traumatic. Or, um, or if I don't do that, if I just leave it, I can't just tell that story by itself. Um, and then say how he, he abused me and then not offer up my, like, because it's just going to seem delusional. It's just going to seem like, okay, this woman don't realize this man beat the brakes off her and now she talking about him and his feelings. You know, it would, it would be a really, really, really long endeavor, um, to try to do both things. So what I decided was, you know what, I've already written in part. I'd, I had decided I was going to put it down. Let me just publish essay one, volume one, explaining that. And I will sit on whether or not this is something that I can write or I can do because I had to figure out a way to do it. Um, and the way I ultimately came to was I'm going to just offer it for the sole purposes of showing you why Black women feel unprotected, why what you're looking at, um, what you watch Meg Desai and experience. It's not just Black women just arbitrarily deciding we on team Black woman, why we feel so strongly about this. It's because this is, like, we've experienced situations just like this. And I'm like, I'm offering it for that reason, not to have a discussion about all the moving parts, because there's a lot. There's a lot um, in the piece, a lot to unpack that I, I don't comment on, right? I just I just offer it. Like, this is the night give you the preface. I let you know, I feel about abolition, why I think it's necessary that we have this conversation because that's the truth, right? Regardless of what I don't, I, I don't, there are a lot of larger conversations I don't feel like having that are really exhausting to have around abolition and the criminal system constantly. People have all these questions. Well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this issue? And I don't love these conversations, but I recognize that they are still real things that we have to engage and have to explore. So if we're currently Black, black people in general are not, are not people that are very pro the criminal system in the first place, right? We're not, and we're not the most carceral people in and of itself. And we don't love to see, uh, black people, people go to jail, especially black women. So I'm saying to you, if you see where there are black women all around the world breathing a sigh of relief that this man was convicted, you have to have the conversation about why that is. So for me, it's like, 
this is the why. Regardless, of, I, I don't think I like. I don't think prison is going to make Tory better. I don't think the criminals, the whole process, did anything. No, I don't think any of that. But what I'm saying is, if you want us to live in a world where you don't see black women take a collective sigh about this, you have to you have to explore why they're taking the sigh and try to figure out how to address that. And to me, the larger issue is all right. We the way that you saw society respond to to Meg the Stallion and during this situation with Tory Lanez is exactly how they lash out against black women who say that they're abused, who's even when it's important to say even when they are the main ones protecting that man. And so I that was the essay I put out. And then from there, I saw it today, this morning I woke up, um, and I saw some two black guys had quote tweeted, one quote tweeted it and was like a whole thing about uh being unprincipled and we non-abolitionists meaning me like abolitionists who are not real abolitionists or whatever it is um are unprincipled and blah 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 and you didn't have to come out and put your let me let me read y'all the exact tweet just so you can understand how much i don't know what the fuck he's talking about i just need let me let me let me just read it because i'm gonna give it to y'all because that's really what what spawned this but i appreciate that y'all could hear my voice so you know i'm not mad about it I just think it's something worth worth addressing. So he said, um, these non-abolitionist abolitionists are absurd. Again, no one told you to go online and, and admit you're not really an abolitionist. You could have easily just not said anything, not gotten social media engagement and kept your integrity. How does writing a story, how does writing an essay about being about my experience with domestic violence and saying, hey, this is why black women feel unprotected and I want us, I'm moving us towards an abolitionist future. And I recognize that we can't get there. There isn't, it isn't sufficient to imagine a world without prisons. If you don't imagine ways that we've addressed and dealt with the other social ills and harms that have caused us to erroneously rely on prisons. So what I'm saying is, okay, in order for us to be comfortable, to get people to go sign a world without prisons, and us to get to divest from prisons and to divest from people relying on the criminal system, from people like Meg and Tory both relied on the criminal system here. Because let's not forget that. It was Tory's fans, it was all these agents of misogyny that said, Oh, well, let's wait till the trial, wait till the trial, wait till the trial relied on this trial for, for quote unquote justice and all this, right? And then that's also what caused Meg and everybody else to have to rely and invest in this. Oh my God, please let it be, you know, a, a, a guilty verdict because it is. So what I'm saying is, you don't want us to live in that world. You don't want us to live in that world. So you have to come up. We have to figure out how we respond to and address when harm is committed against black women in our communities. So that, and if, if currently what the method and the way that we deal with it is, is to lash out and to, to violently spew misogyny and hatred and hateful rhetoric towards black women, then, then we're not getting anywhere. Then we're going to be stuck in this place. So I'm, I'm not sure personally. I cannot understand what this person is talking about other than other than and this is a largest a larger point one they didn't read it which is something that we have to explore why people continue to shamelessly respond to the authors of things they did not read and think that they can't tell they did not read it that's powerful but the second point is the fact that you saw protecting black women is abolitionist and that is what he found so inherently upsetting like this as a black man, like, wow, isn't that powerful? Like that, it, it, it kind of proves exactly, exactly the point, right? I, my story in my essay, in, in my essay, and if y'all didn't read it, I'm just going to give y'all the, 
I'll give y'all a Cliff Notes version of what happens so y'all can understand how it makes no sense that one could come to the conclusion that I am unprincipled or that my integrity is gone. Because honestly, if I'm honest with you, I when I was writing the story, I had to fucking remind my as I was writing it, I had to remind myself of my own like, wow, like I can't believe almost I'm almost surprised that 20 year old me decided to feel the way that she feels and go into the line of work she does. Because I was reading the story like I as I wrote the story, let me put it to you this way. Before anybody that's my personal friend in my real life or my sisters and my own family, especially anybody that was in my life at the time of, I had to trigger warning them before they could even read the story because it's so upsetting because there is no, there's no, there's no ending to the story that is just. There is no, everybody comes to realize they were wrong or treated me bad or apologized or anything like that. Um, but in the story, I'll tell you, I'll tell y'all what happens. So I was 20. I was 20. I was a junior in college at Ohio University and I had a boyfriend that I had lived with for a year and he and I don't I don't go into this in the story but he was emotion he was emotionally abusive and draining and in every single day and something I I, I try to kind of like illustrate in the story is that I'm if you could pick up on it is that I'm tired the entire story I'm tired I'm walking slowly behind him trying to get everything done when I'm tired because the man was draining so I was in a sorority, which he was always like very jealous and threatened about. So I, um, I got him and I put him in connection with the historically black fraternity that he ended up joining. Um, these were my friends. I put him in touch with them. I got him on there and then I paid his dues even because, um, he, he was black. He was mixed. His mummy was white. He was black, but his mummy was white. So she didn't care nothing about this historically black fraternity. She wasn't paying for the dues. And I want you to understand. I didn't have no, it's not like, oh, I had money in college. I just had money for dues. I remember like moving have heaven and hell to, to get this money for his dues. So anyway, my sorority and his fraternity are throwing a joint party and his fraternity gets into a fight with another fraternity. The fight quickly resolves. Like the fight was, wasn't everybody else kind of just, it just dissolves. This man goes off running somewhere, comes back with a paddle that he'd got from the trunk of his car and he's trying to fight. And I remember like it was yesterday, everybody's looking around at me like, oh my God, he's so crazy. Like they, everybody's like freaking out because they don't know him. I know him though. So everybody's like, oh my God, he's so crazy. Me and mom's standing there like, yeah, <sighs> you know? So then he's stuck. So he's starting to try to like fight. He's outnumbered. All the, all the other fraternity people he's trying to fight are my friends. So I go and I beg these men not to fight him. Beg, beg them. Like, please, please, please. I know, I know, I know Spash, but he's my boyfriend. Please, please, please. So they decide to spare him. As this is happening, he goes, me and my friend, me and my friend take him. Like, we're like, we take him down the street. We're trying to drag him away from the fight. He sees, he looks to the left at um this Wendy's. He sees some of the guys and he wants to turn back around to go to keep fighting. So my sorority sister grabs him and she's, you know, telling him, please stop. And, but to the police driving by, it looks like he's arguing with her. He's fighting with her. So the police stop and they're like, oh, are you okay? Um, To her. And she's like, yeah, I'm okay. It's fine. Uh, but he is freaking out. He's freaking himself out. You know, how normal people, you know, they sober up a little bit in front of the police. Not this nigga. Um, he's turned, turned all the way up. He's, he's carrying on. So the police arrest him and they put him in the backseat. Now, this is an important point because when I was reading this, um, I mean, when I was writing this, I realized like, wow, how far you come in life because Y'all know I do not believe in talking to the police. I cannot tell you what a bad choice that is. You cannot talk to police out of making an arrest or anything like that. And I almost hesitated to tell the story because I don't want people to think they're the exception to the rule. This is the exception to the rule, right? Like, so 
I go and I beg these police officers. I beg them to let him go. Beg him, beg him, beg him, beg him. And eventually they're like, yeah, okay, fine. You could we'll let him go in the condition that, that he apologizes. That's it. So I'm like, I go to him and I'm like, baby, please, like, to apologize. He carrying on. No, they profiling me. They this, they blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you know what? He's like, they, I shouldn't have to apologize. I'm like, right, right, right. Baby, I agree with you. I swear, you know, um, just please apologize. But when we get home, we could unpack it. I know it's wrong. It's fucked up. But please, I don't want you to go to jail. Please just apologize. So eventually he apologizes. The minute they apologize, the minute they let him, they uncuff him, he goes, he breaks off running down the hill. I remember like it was yesterday. And because I'm with my, I'm with my sorority sister. Uh, who he was just, it looked like he was fighting him with one of his fraternity brothers. And at this point, everybody else is like, oh my God, what is wrong with him? Again, I know he is not well. So I, um, I'm just tired. And I have his car keys because the police had given me his car keys because he was too drunk to drive. And I promised I'd get us home safe. So I just walk slow behind him because he can't go nowhere without me anyway. So I get to the car and I drive us off. I drive us back to our apartment, which is off campus. And that's an important note if you know domestic violence and, and the cycles of abuse, because he definitely moved me off campus. So anyway, as, I, as I'm pulling up to our apartment, before I could even park the car and it's raining, before I could park the car, this man jumps out of the moving car, jumps out the car and goes running across the grass, the wet grass. And I remember that because I had these white, these white Reebok kamikazes that I still have. Um, and I just remember looking at all the mud, um, on my shoes as I like run behind him or walk behind him. Cause again, tired. So the minute I get us into our apartment, he doesn't go to any of our rooms. He throws himself on, on, on the couch. He throws himself on the couch and immediately he's like, you know, he's like, you want me to go to jail? Fuck you. You want me to go to jail? That's what you really want. I'm like, I know you fucking lying. Like, I'm like, I just spent must an hour talking this nigga out of handcuffs out of the police car I, I are you serious like are you serious i didn't i didn't spare him from my ass whooping i begged a whole group of men not to stomp him out then i begged i i talked this we were in ohio understand this we were in ohio we were in athens ohio the poorest county in appalachia in ohio like the whitest of place and i talked my black ass talked his black ass out of the ohio police officer's car and this i'm like are you serious so I'm, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm flabbergasted and I'm just not somebody prior, you know, contrary to what might be popular belief and the stereotypes people have for you ugh, based on what your temperament is and you're being a black woman. I do not argue with men. I am not running on with you. I'm not screaming with you. Like at the very most you're ever going to get out of me is like a really, uh, a really concise like explanation. I feel I'm hyper rational. I don't like much arguing and carrying on. That's not my style. So anyway, at this point, I'm tired. I, so when he does this, I'm just like flabbergasted. I'm standing there like, I know you're fucking lying. So I go, you know what? I'm done. I'm I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And I go back to our bedroom and I change into my big giant, this big giant navy blue Tweety Bird shirt. And I get into the bed. I get into bed. I turn off the lights, close my eyes. The man, I'm telling you, I don't, I cannot ever explain to you how fast he was. Like how the sound of him coming down that hallway sounded like he, this man was he ran so fast, he stomped down that hallway. And like, I opened my eyes and his hands are around my neck. Like, and he's choking the shit out of me. And I remember like, I'm, I'm scratching. I'm doing like, like, I remember the moment when I realized like, oh, fuck, he's choking me for true. Like, like, this isn't, this is not a drill. This man is choking me to death. Like, I have to like, use all my strength to try to get off him and when, to try to get him off me, to get his hands from around my neck. So, I do this. I'm like trying to get his hands. I'm scratching at him and I can't. And I can't. 
bro, the moment the fair, like I can't tell you the, the panic, the quick panic on like, oh fuck, this nigga's gonna kill me. Like I can't even do nothing. And so I'm scratching, trying to get his hands around my neck, and he he grabs me. He grabs me by my hair, and I had braids at the time, uh, and I remember this because he grabs me by my braids and he flings me across the room. And he, when I say to you, it was so he ripped my like multiple braids from right from the front of my scalp. And I remember because I looked down at the ground and I'm looking at my fucking braids. Um, and when he when I land, immediately he's kicking me. He's kicking me in my head like. Um, and he's screaming a bunch of shit that's not, that's not meant for me. I remember it like being like, okay, he's the man, like he's screaming these messages that are clearly meant for other people. I don't know who he's seeing. I don't know what it's about. Um, but he's kicking me in my head, like, and I'm crying and I'm begging for help and I'm trying to grab my phone to like try to call one of my friends for help. Um, and he's kicking me and all I remember, I, I can't tell you how many times he kicked me, but I know I told, I told the doctors, I remember telling the doctors, that I lost, like, I remember 36. I remember counting to 36 and, and kind of wrapping that up. So at some point while this is happening, Bier knock at the door and like the knock startles him so much, like for a second that I like get, like I'm able to get away and I run to the door. And when I open the door, it's the same fucking police officers. It's the same exact police officers that I just convinced to let this nigga out, like not even an hour earlier. So there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way they're letting him go a second time. Like this is Athens, Ohio, right? So at this point, so they come in the house and I'm on the I'm on the ground. I'm by I'm like sitting on the ground and this jig. I I only have on a shirt. So now I'm at I'm at, I have on a shirt that's torn up. That's t- the man is torn up. My braids on my head. I'm sitting on the floor like ass out crying. Um while the police officer is uh, talking to me, trying to, you know, get me to cooperate with arresting him. And I'm like, no, please. Like, you know, and I remember, and, and it's crazy because I think about this now when I was writing this story and, and realizing that I was like, take, I was like, you know, take me instead of him. And I, and I think about that and I'm like, were you out of your fucking mind? Like, I, I, I can't tell you the level of, it's interesting. Like something feels, it doesn't feel this long ago. The story when I was writing it, I realized, oh, this happened like 10 years ago. It doesn't feel that long ago, but it does when I realized the thought process of the girl I was then, because mind you, I still present day, I would never cooperate with him getting arrested or anything like that, but ain't no fucking way on earth. I was saying, take me instead of him. That was the craziest. Fu- when I think about that, I'm like, what level of like, this man had been emotionally abusing me for a year. I was young, all these different things because I am an immigrant. I'm an immigrant. I am an immigrant who came to this country. I'm still not a U.S. citizen to this day, to this day. So I was an international student. I was 20. I'd come here when I was 14 by my fucking self to become a lawyer here. And I'd done everything I was supposed to do. And I cannot tell you how that would have been a wrap for my life, a world where I got arrested on my student visa and all that, trying to get into law school. I was like, but I think about that now, like at almost 30, I'm like, bitch, what, what? But that's the level to which I'm trying to protect this man, right? So I'm like, please, 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 like don't take him, you could take me instead of him. As I am begging them not to take the man, he is in the back bedroom screaming, fuck that bitch, fuck that bitch, no, fuck her, fuck that bitch. And I'm like, wow, this is powerful, this is powerful. So our friends, the like right right after the police arrive 
the my friend, my sorority sister and his fraternity brother who'd been with us when he was getting arrested the first time earlier that night, um, show up because they had decided they were going to come there because they didn't trust that he wasn't acting nuts. So they get there. I'm begging and begging everybody to help me convince the police not to arrest him. I'm begging them. I'm begging them. I'm begging them. Eventually I go, you know, when we call his mommy, I call his mom. His mom, I want to say again, is a white woman. I call I I call this woman. I call this woman. <laughs> and this woman tells them to take him. She tells them to take him. She she tells them to arrest him. Um and they fucking do. And they do. So they arrest him. And as um so then after that, literally my my first I at the time it's interesting. At this age, the minute I know a woman, the minute a woman comes out and talks about having been abused, I know to expect some bullshit. I know this woman is about to be tortured. Um, but at the time, I never fathomed that because for me, nobody was more concerned. I was the only person who gave a fuck about his well-being. Like I said, his mama said, take him. So then in my mind, I'm black and I'm Caribbean. And no, you think she's a good mom. She's a piece of shit. Watch this story. Nope. The story is not done. She is not. She's a fucking nightmare. She's a wicked white woman. Um, in my mind, I thought this is a tough love thing. She thinks her son is out of control or whatever it is, or blah, blah, blah. You know, she, this is, whether or not I agree, she thinks that this is what her son needs or something. She recognizes her son did something wrong or whatever. So for me, if my mommy and my daddy decide that they don't agree with me on something or my parents decide that I've done something wrong, I need to be punished or some tough love, my parents are not afraid of me. They don't do and hide. They wouldn't throw their ball and hide their hand. Again, everybody knows. So when he calls me from jail, he calls me from jail and he saw me this, 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 the next thing. When he realizes, you know, he realizes his mom, his mom told him to take him. She drives down. We are in Athens, Ohio. She was in Dayton. She drives down over, what, two, like two, two and a half hours, drives down to my apartment, comes into my apartment and tells me, comes into our apartment and tells me that it's my fault. It's my fault this happened because I brought this out of her son. I brought this out of him. That's one. And that two... I was, this is, this is my fault because I'm immature. It was immature of me to tell him I was done when he, when I, when we got home and he said, oh, he's, uh, when he, when he said, oh, I want him to go to jail. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. She said that was immature of me. So that's my fault. That's my fault. All this is happening. So she, this woman comes into my apartment and she takes all my shit, all my things and throws them in garbage bags and throws all my shit outside of my outside department, throws everything in my apartment. She's like, oh. And it's crazy because I, yeah, she's a bitch. Like she's a real evil bitch. I told you, I told you, trust me, don't, don't hold like, and I, and I, and I'm keeping it cute on her, honestly. Um, I was, so I, I want to remind you, my whole family lives in the Bahamas. I have no American family. So there's no world in which like, there's nowhere for me to go. There's no connection. There's none of that. Um, and so I have, I went to us, I had a concussion. I had a concussion. It was finals. It was the weekend. This happens the weekend before finals week. So I start feeling finals week. I don't got no place to live. I have a concussion. Um, <laughs> I'm traumatized. I'm hurt. I'm depressed. I'm all these different things. And I still, his, I go and I, uh, his, his fraternity brother, before she comes and throws all my things out, his fraternity brothers and some people that come to my house and I, I beg these people not to ostracize him, beg them, like beg them, which is why, again, at the time I could have never fathomed that people would turn on me or try to make it out anything. Cause I'm like, what, <laughs> what? But I begged them, you know what? He has issues, please. He has, he just has issues. He has this, he has help, blah, 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 blah. I begged them. I begged them uh, to, to not cut him off, not to ostracize him. Then I go and I, 
I go and I write. Um, I talk to his defense attorney, his public defender, and I <laughs> I go and I talk to his public defender, and she says, you know, a leniency letter is what would help him. If I wrote a letter to the court, you know, asking them to, you know, be lenient on him, this is the next thing. Um, and so I go and I write this long, long letter, uh, which I actually have, I have still, but I wrote this long letter for him. And I'm basically like, listen, he's an amazing person. I am not afraid of him. You know, I lived, lived with him for a year. You know, he's never been violent or anything before, but you know, he does have issues. Like he has issues, but what he needs is therapy and mental health treatment. And I would hate to have something like this, you know, ruin his life and his future and his blah, 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 blah. I write this long fucking and let me just say this as someone who's represented a thousand people i have not received one fucking leniency letter from a fucking complainant in any case not even at all period let alone to this degree of in his favor so anyway i write this letter and again i remind you i'm broke i have nowhere to live i remember like literally being in like a black hoodie and a black pair of pants because i was like all i really had i had a like that's all i really remember is walking around really dazed so I took this, I took the bus and I used to be broke. Like when I say broke, 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 so broke. So I remember not even really having the money for the bus and kind of like having a finesse, even getting onto the bus to get down to, um, to get to court street, to go get this letter notarized so that it could be used for him. So I write this, I do all of this. His fraternity brother and his mommy call me cussing me out about how I'm wrong, how, you know, I shouldn't, uh, I'm I'm wrong for acknowledging any fault on his part in the letter for saying he needs any kind of treatment or any kind of anything. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, and I remember being hurt, like heartbroken. Like when I say to you, like, I can't, I can't tell you depressed. Like I did, I think at the time I hadn't talked to my own mom for like a year or two. And I had to call her like in tears one night, like long distance in the bombs. Cause I couldn't believe it. Like what? Like I wrote this letter and I remember reading that letter, like scrutinizing it so much. Like, what did I say that's so wrong? What's wrong here? Like, I'm not, and, and it just was like, I couldn't write something where I say nothing is wrong with him. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still like, oh, I don't want the court. I don't want him prosecuted. I wouldn't proceed with a the criminal case against him or anything like that. But I'm like, you want me to say he doesn't have issues? He's been torturing me for a fucking year, right? So then, you know, the minute he, so he gets out and they, you know, they issue an order of protection again, like against him in my favor that I did not want. And did, but you know, they don't care. So in the course of that's happening, everybody, when I say to you, everybody and their mother, my sorority sisters, his fraternity brothers, everybody cracking jokes, um, about it. They all, I think the most hurtful thing, I, what I'll remember, it, I think that really like at the time fucked me up psychologically was someone some they were in the library, like some of my his fraternity brothers and my sorority sisters, and someone was like, someone was like, um, oh yeah, you know he beat her, or whatever. He, you know he ties after he did this, and they were like, um, and someone said, oh well, you know, <laughs> well you know she big, and everybody burst out laughing like this whole, oh I'm sorry, like <laughs> my my weight, my size, and that fucked me up on so many levels because. One, I, I, I just hadn't anticipated it. At the time, I couldn't anticipate that that they would do that, that anybody would do that. Like like I said, they, these were my, everybody, they didn't know him. They knew me. You know what I mean? I was already in the Greek, in the, in the, in the community. I only got him there. They didn't know him. They didn't like him. Again, I was the main person championing and, and defending him. So what reason would there be, you know, to mock me? And then at the time, I remember being like, I'm, I'm five, two, I'm five for two. I'm five two. This man is five nine. Um, I'm the size at the time. I'm the size that I am now that I always am. I'm a pretty average size bitch. I'm not some, you know, I, I, I'm like, what, you know? And then from there, you know, they start this whole narrative about, 
how um how basically that it's a talk and this is why and this is something you see online a lot um which is why i felt the need to write the article it's like they're like oh it's a toxic relationship or you know they'd be fighting no 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 no. it's not a, like there's this way of trying to make it seem like it's this mutual thing oh, or you know he was a that we probably fight he or alani attack him or alani something and he's just defending himself i was a fucking sleep like i was asleep and i to this day even writing the story like they spread so much, so much fucking propaganda and and conspiracies and ways to make me complicit and everything was around my weight and my skin, me being dark and this and the next thing, all these different things versus, you know, he light skin and delicate and I'm dark and all these different narratives they started. And I remember being in my house, like, and even when I was writing this essay now, almost 10 years later, I was like, if I didn't remember it so fucking vividly, I would question whether or not it happened. Like, am I tripping? Like, did I attack him? Mean y'all, I was asleep. I was asleep. Like, I could never get over the fact, like, that I, I opened my eyes to him attacking me. It was, I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would I, what incentive do I have to lie on him or to hit him first or to attack him? What, you want, y'all watched him. You all watched him that night fighting everybody in their mama he was trying to fight he was literally running around like tasmanian devil trying to fight fight the fraternities fight the police fight everybody y'all watching him on the street fight people y'all came to this house because y'all knew it wasn't safe for me and then when he attacks me and i'm still the one how so i say all that to say you know that is the story that's the essay i put out but i put that and i put that out as not as oh this is why you know, black men to protect protecting black women means that black men go to jail. That's not what I'm saying, obviously. And that's the, like, I did not, I did everything I could. I did everything under the sun till I mass charges was dismissed and everything. And I'm still the number one fucking villain. And then I then, and then I afterwards, I'm, I became a public defender. I became a public defender. I became an abolitionist. I became all these different things. And I've done my endeavor best to get thousands of other black men out of jail. So obviously the point of the story is not oh, black men need to go to jail or Tory, Tory. But clearly they don't read that. Clearly they don't read. They just respond because the inherent premise of protecting black women in a, in a title and abolition, you know, sets them sets them off to believe, I don't know. So I was like, you know what? Rather than me make me uh, feel the need to virtually spot or kick anybody in the chest or, or, you know, tweet about this in a way that does it like, you know, people lose tone, they lose all these different things. And I made an executive decision to try to come into this year less, um, less flying off the handle online, less cursing these people out, less coming off, less as, um, as angry or as volatile. And I'm not, honestly, I'm really, I'm, I'm really not, um, about what their, what their commentary is. I just was like, you know what, let me, let me go have this discussion because it's clear to me that that people don't read things. They really don't. Like they they don't read it. And when or they and at the very most they look at a headline, they look at a screenshot or something, they'll skim something and just start running their fucking mouths. Um. So I'm like, let me just let me just go have this conversation with y'all. Let me open it up. I I, I figured you know I have this I have this channel. Let's do it. So that's pretty much the backstory on where we're at now. So let me see. Y'all can feel free. Let's we can talk. If y'all wanna y'all wanna get on the queue, I'm gonna talk to Jam first. Hi. Yo, what's going on? Can you hear me? Yes. Yo, first off, I wanna say um like thank you for like sharing your story. Like um I know it's definitely something like rough, like rough uh like to do. Um like myself, I'm like a survivor of like sexual, um like sexual abuse. 
and everything. Like yeah. I'm just now, just now being able to really get to a point to, you know, like talk about it, like have the language, like to um to be able like to start to open up, you know, about it and everything. So I definitely like like commend your like your openness and everything, uh, like for sharing that. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, and like I read um. I read your first, like, shout out to the people like Tosin and I can't remember, like, the other person's name that put up, the, like, the links to the articles into the chat. This is, like, my first time hopping in, one of, like, your uh, callings. And, uh, um, like, the, the first article was uh, really good. I really liked how um, how you was bringing up, trying to bring up, the, like, the thought experiment of what does, what does, what does a situation look like without, like, this incarceration system? And I wanted yeah. to ask you more, like, about that, like, more, like, what, what would you, because you bring it up in the articles, like, just basically asking that question, like, what would, what would it be if, like, he would, like, took, um, if Tory Lanez would, like, took accountability, you know, like, for his, um, for his actions. But what does taking accountability look like to you without the incarceration system? You know, I honestly, I think, first of all, I think it depends. I think it depends. It's on an individual case by case basis. And I also think that's something that are for us, right? Like, like, everybody, what you need to heal is not the same as what I need to heal. You know, what you feel is a, hold somebody accountable is not the same thing as what I'll feel is, is accountable, right? But a criminal system overall takes that entire analysis away from us. And I'll say, I think where to start on this is oftentimes I represent people at arraignments, right? Like I'll represent them arrested and my clients, I introduce everything the same way. I'll tell my clients, I'm going to tell you what they say happened to you. Tell me what really happened, right? And there are a lot of clients, a lot of them. You read them, this, and they'll say, "No, I, I did that. I'm wrong." Like they will, they will, they will be the one. They before you could even breathe, they're telling you how, you know, they're so wrong. They're so sorry. They did this. Like they or whatever. They're admitting to it and all these different things and how bad they feel about themselves and all these things. But I, as a defense attorney, has to go, yeah, but never say that again, right? Like we are, you know, because how you. Regardless, in a different world where you're wrong, you did a thing, you did a thing, and you you be able to go atone for that, to be able to go admit to that, go be able to apologize, go be able to go say what you need to say or do what you need to do for this person to feel, you know, whole or whatever. Our criminal system wants to do something to you entirely different and entirely more punitive and undeserving, all these different things that you can't, you're not allowed. I can't, I literally cannot let you go go try and have an alternative way to go handle this because the criminal system is already still here. You're already in it. It's already happening. So I think that is something that like prevents us from exploring these things a different way. Like I think like, and I, and I don't like to use my, my situation necessarily as the example on something like this, because, you know, and I think this is something I realize as, as, as a defense attorney, you don't ever know what the what what the truth is, right? You never you never know. You don't know as a defense attorney. You don't know as a prosecutor. You don't know as a person reading anything. Nobody knows but the people that are there. That's one, and um, nobody also knows how genuine anything is, or what a journey is, or change, or accountability. I don't think these things. I think our society and our criminal system both treat things as though there's one action you can do that can assure us you've atoned or like there's one thing you can say and that you can you're a different person and that's just not how any level of growth or reconciliation actually works like it doesn't work like that like i'm sure you know i'm sure you have entire schools of thought you believe in that you can't you couldn't be able to tell us when you came to believe in that you just is a lifelong process of learning information and changing and shifting and how you grow as a person it's like like i said like when i was writing the story i'm like it doesn't feel that long ago in 10 years but when i'm writing 
I'm writing the actions taken by a person that is me and I don't get, I'm like, ah, I'm just, you see how you've evolved or come to think different things or change things at different full pictures. So I think um, there has to be some level of one. I think it has to be individual and case by cases. I can't say what, what everyone's going to feel like is atonement, right? Cause there's some people. And I also think you also got to contend with a world where some people will not ever feel like there's anything you can do to make something whole. And that's also true about what it means to break something, right? To commit harm against a person. Yeah. You can't right all the wrongs and all the harm and all the different things. So there will never be, you know, reconciliation and atonement and everything for every individual uh, dynamic of harm or something like that. But there can be some level of what is a process we create for like growth and giving back to the community and the society or some level in which we, we, we check you or think, but, but we don't have, we currently don't even have the space to create that. You see what I'm saying? Because trying to do that or trying to do any of that now just exposes somebody to a, you know what I'm saying? Like if Tori, when yeah, you think yeah. about it, like that's the thing about the Megan and Tori thing, what I was saying is if what made Meg so hurt and what made her come out and say, you know, he did hit me or he did do, he did shoot me is because because they put out his publicist in those before Tory did anything to his own to understand something, his publicist and these people put it out because they're concerned about the criminal system and public perception and all these different things. But up until that point, up until the publicist actions, everything that has come out to us that we have been able to find that all the evidence, all the phone calls, all the texts, everything shows that prior to the involvement of the criminal system or the publicist and the other people, Tory thought he fucked up. Tory thought he was wrong. Tory was like, how the fuck can I deal with how, you know what I mean? Go running around to everybody like, how can I, how can I write this? How can I, she never going to deal with me. So there was a level of that, but that all that gets stopped and all that gets put on you, all that gets thrown out the fucking window when your priorities and your interests have to be changed to self-preservation and the weight of a criminal system and all these other things. So I think we just, we literally don't have the space as it stands to, to explore that unless until and unless, and if we get out of, um, that like in a sense like when my when my um and he's not a good example because i don't know what's wrong with him to this day he's not he's not um but when when the criminal case was dismissed you know when the case was 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 dismissed i we didn't talk i want to say he called me five years after uh he called me in 2018 right i think he called me in 2018 after he had life and blah 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 and gone to therapy and realize he's all these different things is wrong with him right now that's 2018 he did this to me in 2014 right so it's like there isn't a there isn't a situation there was nothing he could do there's no one thing he could have anything he could have done in that period of time like he's not gonna it, it's a long time in life and experiences and concerted efforts and a person and blah, blah 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 for a person to change and grow on their own there's nothing he could do to make the harm he could never change he what harm that I've experienced, right? He can't make me whole again in that sense. He can't make me whole and the criminal system couldn't make me whole. Like, there's a certain level of understanding that harm has happened. So it becomes a larger conversation of, well, what can we do to prevent another woman from experiencing said harm? And I think that happened in the form for him as mental health treatment and all these different things in years and years and years and growth of a process. Like he can't do nothing for me, but did the, I recognize that in a system, in a world where he was already fucked up that's just the truth. He was a, he was a person who had issues and all these different things prior to making any contact with the criminal system. If I proceeded with a case against them, he gets prosecuted or he goes to jail in Ohio. Um, what happens then that that fucked up person that was already a, you know, 
harmful to cause the woman harm or react was was angry and explosive and all these different things after prison after jail after these things well, do i think he's more or less likely for another woman to experience this harm too so you see what i'm saying so for me it was like all right what 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 change or accountability looked like here it wasn't anything that could be done for me my my growth and my healing and it's unfortunate and that's just something that's just unfair about life is somebody can hurt you and now you have something you have to go do and go help and go heal your own self and go get you know that's fucked up but that is life but for me what it looked like what uh, a, a better system looked like was him going and going figuring himself out so at least there's not two women who's experienced what I you know what I mean there's no, rather than me and a bunch of women have to have to commiserate about our shared experience. It's just me. You see what I'm saying? I feel so you. I guess that's, just the, about... that's the question. Like, that's the thing I'm really like, you know, like um, stuck in and really want to like explore. Like, is like the atonement thing, you know? Because like from like for the like for the people that um like for the people like that were like my abusers and shit. Like, I don't want like now like this stage and like in their life, you know, like I don't want like nothing like like to happen like to them, you know. It's like I'm like I'll because I feel like I've healed from it and like like move uh, like move past it and I don't want like like I don't feel like they're they're like the, like the same people too you know and I don't want nothing like to uh, like to happen to them and like from your yeah. um like from you like sharing like and everything like hearing more about it like um about like domestic like domestic violence thinking like what you know what can like what can we like what can we do like uh, like for like for like what's what's the right thing to do like for the victims especially when you know when the people are like married you know because before like when I was uh back like living like in like in the hood of when with my family and everything if we hear about any woman you know like in our families being like like domestic domestically like uh domestically like abused like physically anything immediately the first thing that you know all the dudes uh all the cousins and everybody gonna do we're gonna like jump the dude you know like we yeah, only right handle on. yeah we only we only handling it like with violence but like now like I'm, me speaking like with my wife we were speaking about like uh domestic violence and, and like stuff today like seeing like it's wild how prevalent it is but i mean having me like reminisce about like, how like how we used to handle like back in the hood and thinking like we never really uh we never really even uh, thought to ourselves like if handling it with violence was the right was the right thing to do, like not take into account how how like the person that how the victim, you know, like felt and everything, like what did they want, um what did they want to happen, you know, but we just knew we wasn't gonna we wasn't gonna call the like because police for you know, certain reasons. You know, like, not, not kind of like just, Yeah, good, our good. entire framework for things is very um very how do I how do I, how, we're punitive, we're a punitive people, like, mm-hmm. without the criminal system, right, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're like that, and I think, um, so, we have to, I, I think a lot of things, I think, one, I think we have to start kind of demystifying the conversation around abuse and abusers, in the sense that mm-hmm. we, th- this is what we do, we talk as women, and people, and men, and everybody, and the people who've experienced any kind of level of abuse, we talk as we we know we know that it is like when we talk about rape culture when we talk about you know uh, a culture that breeds domestic violence we get that that's all around us that's everywhere that is very very common it is incredibly incredibly common but we don't mm-hmm. talk about it in in ways like it is so what happens is the reality is more more people than they think than they think they have more men than think they have all these have have abused have been abusive that that's just true. But they don't, but because there's this, uh, the way that we talk around, talk about it is immediate. We only know, we only know two routes as a society. We either know violent condemnation, 
violent condemnation mm. and you know punitive three-way evil fucking person blah 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 or we know pretend pretend like it didn't happen you need to keep this person so pretend like it didn't happen right. gaslight everybody lie about it blah 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 blah. there's no third route where we say okay well if we're all saying that this is really really common in our society we're all we all seem to have experiences with it it isn't just happening with these big boogeyman spooky evil characters you know lurking around the shadows but it's really things that we are teaching and fostering in our regular environments um that is allowing the people in our lives our friends these other people to do it and if we had a different approach to how we talk about these things or that we can talk about these things there is more of an effort to say ah i'm like let me hold this person accountable let let me your like let me give you an example i have a friend i have I, I like everybody else. And I think this is why, you know, I like the channels of a learn audience, stuff like this, to be able to have nuanced conversations is I like everybody else has had friends and people that have done fucked up things. We all like bad things are not just done by bad people. Bad things happen by everybody. Um, and I remember having a friend of my friend in college when I told him about this, this exact story. He realized he told me he told me that he realized that he had been abusive towards a woman in the story and I like it in something he had done to her. And we had that conversation, like, yeah, like, okay. because we even have the space for that, the kind of room, the kind of, the kind of relationship that kind of, you know, I'm not gonna condemn you. Like you are an evil person. He's able to talk to me about that. And then like, let's actually work on where the fuck did that come from? How did that happen? How did that this? How do you go and, you know, get help? How do you work on these things? How do you have these conversations? Um, and I think there has to be some level of that because if, if there isn't that, if there's never that, if there's never any space for that, then it becomes where men and people and women and things wrong just feel the need to either lie about it, lie about it, you know what I mean? Pretend, you know, and gas at everybody else or justify it, right? But then never is a third route of like, ah, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? I, I, I fucking, I did something wrong. What is wrong with me? Where did this come from? Why am I acting this way? Because, and that's something I'm constantly trying to talk about with people is like, condemnation isn't, con condemning violence, condemning abuse doesn't prevent its reoccurrence. You see what I'm saying? Like just blanket condemnations and these different things, but it has to be a certain level of accountability. Like I have, yeah. I had another friend uh, who, we, and he's so we're in a, I have a group of male friends um, back home in the Bahamas and one of them is was uh, abusive and he is abusive he is abusive um because and I knew it when his when his wife came forward and told us his wife came forward and like put up that he had been abusing her they fucking we know he's abusive like we know it like we I remember like years before that like years before that when we were much younger hearing a story from one of my other guy friends about him um abusing another woman or whatever it is and so and then so she came she came out and immediately like before before I remember before um I could even let it a chance. She could put up that post, like she could whatever. I had the rest of them, like, don't y'all for one fucking second start gaslighting this woman. You know what I mean? Like, don't even, don't even play with him. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not even saying, like, oh, like us go kick him in the chest or us go cut him off. No, but we know he's this. Don't lie to him. You know he's this. Go, like, get him together. We have to get him together. Like, there has to be um, a level of like, it ain't okay for you to just be this way. We're not going to justify this and just and and defend this, and we also not going to let you um gas like this woman but you, you going to be if you're going to be a person you want to be in regular community with us 
you're going to get some fucking help. We're going to work on you. You're going to know you're wrong. You're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have to address this. You're not going to be allowed. We're not going to allow for you to go lie to this woman. And it has to be a lot more community in that. So far, what community is meant, and I think what we, we turn it into is either either people are forced to, to you want people to, to go online or something and, like, say they hate the people in their personal lives you know, like that's what it's turned into with like someone will do something wrong and then people will be mad at their friend because the friend didn't like tweet out that they they hate this violent abuse and it's like, well, they don't. <laughs> like they're in real life with this person, right? Like they need to go, but you need to go in your real life. You need to go hold people to task. You need to go say, like, oh yeah, something you don't have to go say you hate this human being now or you didn't know you weren't friends with this person, but you have to say your friend is did something fucked up and now your friend has to go work on that and i think we have to we have to start carving out that third lane you know of what it means yeah. to really like yeah like i'm not saying you're a bad person i'm saying that's a bad you did you did something bad you a bad quality and where's that coming from because everything comes from somewhere right like i can think of things like even when even when i tell you know this story of my experience with domestic violence i could walk you through each insecurity and trauma and thing about myself that I have since I learned, figured out and unpacked and led to different actions. You see what I'm saying? Or why different things hurt you the way you, they hurt you or why you react or re respond this, this way. But we don't do a lot of that like inquiry as a society. We don't like to address root causes or figure out the why because that's more work. We like to pretend like there's, you know, ah, act now, fuck that person. You know what I mean? Or da, 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 or this is the next thing. And we have to contend for that third area when someone can be, someone can be good to you. You can have a good relationship with a person and see good qualities, experiences, the good of them. And that doesn't mean that they don't do harmful things and that they have that same relationship or dynamic with other people. But you have to be able to say, you know what, based on the, the role I've occupied in life, let me take that opportunity to I have influence here that I understand this person feels safe talking to me or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Let me work on this person. Let me pull the people in my life. Let me, let me, let me get them together. I think we have to, yeah, we have to hard, recognize that, that. Yeah. Abuse isn't just the boogeyman. It isn't just these, like, you, you know, someone, someone made this point. Y'all ever watch, did you ever watch Acrimony? Oh uh, yeah. That was that movie. With, uh, that was Acrimony? Uh huh. Mm. The craziness. Someone put this made this point the other day on YouTube. I was watching it. She was like, "What was very nuanced about acrimony is that the guy who we know obviously, obviously we know people. Taraji's out of her fucking mind in this movie. That's a whole other thing. Don't I don't want you to for one second to get offended. That just that's just I just throwing it out there. But we're just talking about him in general. That man is still very much so a, man, a like a manipulative, insidious character, right? But he's very soft and he's very gentle and he's very and he never becomes anything different, right? He never becomes like some big bad like scary abuser like manifestly changed. He just is. He's bad. You know what I mean? Like he's sweet and nice, all these different things while also being like to everybody else in his life he's not doing no big evil things while he's destroying this woman you know at home it's like that like people in real life do they just are multi-dimensional people you know and how they harm and all these different things manifest in different ways and we got to contend that they are the everyday people in our lives and start like addressing them and calling them out like that like my daddy i've been telling my daddy this face like like <laughs> like my dad years ago i was like years and years and years ago i was like oh my dad he's talking i was like oh you homophobic this is homophobic as fuck. That's what this is. Like, like daddy, that's so, oh no, that's homophobic. Like we don't have no, I don't, we don't do the, in my household, pretend like, oh, where you gonna, you know, you have a problem. No, like where I'm trying to, oh my daddy, yes. Yeah, like, no, this is the thing. This is what that is. This, that's my daddy. I love my daddy. I have all the respect in the world for my daddy. Love my daddy. That man is brilliant. I miss him. Da, 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 da. My daddy was homophobic. My daddy was misogynistic. And telling him that work, you know what I mean? Everybody like, no, 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 we gonna say that shit. 
we're gonna say that shit. Now you gotta now you gotta get your shit together. No one is no one thinks that's cute. You know our humor or not work on that. <laughs> like and yet, yeah, yeah, now hey, I'm my daddy president. I'm like, who this is? It's a whole different nigga. Look at him. <laughs> okay. Like, okay, <laughs> daddy. It's, it's hard to think like in like in like in on the focusing on the thing about like abuse. It's like especially like hard to figure out what to what to do about it without without like an overly punitive like reaction. You know, especially yeah. when the especially when the victim like themselves you know, are so, are so like against, um, against any, like anything being done, you know, cause you don't want to, you don't want to do something like that's not going to, um, it's not going to make like the victim like, like feel comfortable. And it was yeah. really like, it was really like got me in this, like in, like in this space. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like hold you up. Like if I hear about like somebody, um, like abusing, I said like, well, I'm, one of my sisters, I'm just, Hey, I'm just going to be like ready to scrap, you know? But like, yeah. it, um, it got me in, like, got me more, it's like, uh, got me more stuck and like thinking about like, how do we, uh, solve, you know, like solve this, this, um, like problem, like, uh, of abuse, uh, not being so punitive is like, I like had a friend, um, you know, like she lives and she lives like out of state and it's just like her, like her, and her husband and like her husband, like, um, like abuser. And so I'm talking like my, uh, my wife about it, like, you know, like, like gotta go, like gotta go down, like go uh, get cuz. But she, then she mm-hmm. like, um, she was the one that hit, talks to me like, yo, like, but like at the end of the day, like you beat, you, you beat him up or anybody else like beat him up. What's that still going to do? She still like got to live with him. Like they got right. kids. Right. I didn't stuff, make like, him more oh. violent there. It, exactly. Like it's not going to, like it's not going to make it like more violent. And like, yeah, how is that going to like affect, like still going to like affect her down the line? And like, I was just like fucking stuck. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Like I like, I get that, understand that, but like I'm still hot. And everything, but yeah. I don't, but don't know, you know, like what's the, what's like don't we think, don't have no language or anything to know, like what to know, what, like what to do outside of, like I said, these punitive, these um punitive measures, like so, like yes, still, like I said, really interesting. No it's, yeah, it's not, and, uh, and it's, it will make it even harder. Is no, is no one size fit all, no solution yeah. for everything. And that's what makes it even like more, you know, like, like even like uh, even harder, you know. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, I mean, that's something, I mean, I think that's something that we all have to contend with that we, that we like mm-hmm. not to, for whatever reason, in conversations around criminal justice and stuff that frustrate me in our society is like, whenever we look around you, more bad things happen in the world than good. That's just true. More bad. There's nothing, there's nothing in life that it doesn't come with harm and loss and pain in so many ways, right? In the sense, but whenever we talk about like trying to imagine a better future for handling things or the criminal system or you know abolition or abuse any of these things people 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 act as though if the alternative doesn't have a hundred percent success a hundred percent everybody you know is whole and better whatever then then fuck that even though what you're currently doing has way more harm in it you know like there has to be some level of recognizing like we live in a fucked up abusive shitty world like it everybody's things Things sometimes things are a matter of luck, like a different step, one different change in a situation and stuff could make something entirely different. Like who's to say, you know, like in a different world, my story could have gone where, you know, I begged the police not to 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 arrest him that first time he got home, he killed me. And then then people would be using that story yeah. as, you know, why the police shouldn't be it could go any like yeah. they're gonna be that. Then that's what I'm saying, is like there's going to be that. Like not everybody can get out. Not everybody can and not everybody has the space to offer the people that abuse them a bunch of grace and, 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 um, you know, mm-hmm. humanization and, and kindness. Not everybody has to feel compelled to not, you know, react with violence or, 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 or anything like that. I think there's also something to like, there's one thing in, and saying a larger collective, 
responses and what we should endure. So we shouldn't, you know, inv- we shouldn't, we shouldn't steep all our responses and thoughts on what's right and what's just and what we should do in a punitive nature. But there's also got to be some level of recognition. Sometimes you, sometimes people have to get their lick back. You know what I mean? There are some, you know, that, that we, we know that in real life, like without a criminal system is, you know, that some people got to, some people will get put down. That's, that's what happens. Like, or some people have to find different ways to escape, or they have no choice but to use violence to get out of a situation and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure I, I leave that room and that space for recognizing that, right? Like not everybody has the luxury of of just being able to walk away or being able to 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 leave without violence or that their family member didn't have to come fuck this person or whatever. You never know. That's my thing is there isn't, there isn't a, a one size fits all, but our one size fits all mass incarceration <laughs> criminal Damn system it. approach to it. <laughs> For for us, ain't, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah like, you're right. Like, cause like, so people, people and shit like change. Like, speaking, like, speaking, um, like about like the like the abuse. Like, I went through. Like I said earlier. Like, I don't want, you know, like I don't want anything like like to happen. You know, like like to the people now. You know, like yeah. I said I'm because I've come like come, like come out of it. And like even then, like like when it when it did like happen, it's not like I had. It's not like I had even had like a full understanding of of like how like it affected me you know so even if i would, would like try to push any type of like punitive measure i'm not even sure if it would have been just for you know for what i was uh, what i would have like accused him of because i don't even because then i didn't have like the language or like the the um emotional literacy to even know like how i was affected you know like from it you yeah know? So I, that's why, and that's why when we were talking like about abuse like the victim the victim themselves need to have so much they need they need more space you know, yeah. like to figure out for, to have their to have like a clear input, like for themselves, have a clear thought you know, for themselves what they yeah. want to uh, what they want to happen. But at the same time, it's like we want to be able, you know, to like to condemn and hold the person like accountable for like what they what they um for what they've done. You know, yeah. So it's just it's just a hard question like uh, all the way around. But I'm not gonna uh, take up too much of your time. Thank you for. Uh, oh, you know, thank you so much, Jim. Just let me let no next speaker. All right, Vesper. Let's see. Oh, let me see if it lets you up, Vesper. Invite to speak, Vesper talk. Let's see. Okay, I accept this. Align is saying all things have a downside, cost slash bad thing associated with them. And there's more bad in the world than good. Does that include jerking off since slash looking to be? I like, are you serious? Are you a serious person? Or or is unserious your way of life? Cause why? Cause how? Hold on, let me click on because you you can't be serious. <laughs> like it's, it's it's actually incredible. You know, that's actually wow. Um powerful. Vesper speak. This is not working. Oh, it's just me okay. learning how to use this thing, and I'm being all extra old right now, so I apologize. <laughs> no, okay. I'm Hi. listening to your conversation. Hi, beautiful. I I, I love <laughs> you, the way your 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 mind works. Like, thank and you. I'm just so thankful that somebody like you exists in the world because it gives me hope. Um, I just wanted to to say, like, I'm listening to this conversation, and there's so many experiences that I could talk about in my life where I've been on the end of being abused. But the one thing that um, Jam was bringing up, you know, asking the question, like, where do we go from here? And the thing that's been on my mind a lot lately over these last few years is how, I'll just tell you a little bit of my backstory. Like, 
when I was a kid, I had anger issues. So they put me into mental health care, right? So I went through mental health care at a young age, learning how to express my emotions appropriately, how to speak on my emotions, how to deal with things appropriately. And it's now as an adult that I'm starting to realize how much that saved me. Like I probably would be incarcerated right now had I not gone through that. And at the same time, when I was in that system, it was still incarceration. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, because the freedom was still taken away. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I was locked into a, a building that I couldn't move freely. I couldn't even go to the bathroom without asking permission, you know? So, wow. you know, it, it wasn't any different. I, honestly, I don't see much of a difference between the current system that we have and the mental health care system, except for the compassion. You know, and the, 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 the wanting to reform people and teach them better tools to be a better version of themselves. So I just wanted to bring that up is like, all I keep thinking about is like the way we fix this is we turn these prisons into mental health care facilities and stop telling people you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, and you're never going to be good and actually start giving them the tools necessary to express right. their emotions appropriately and right. to deal with no, the right. things appropriately. Yeah, you're right. It also it also requires us to recognize so this. There is a lot of there are a lot of people in 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 prison who are who are there not because there's something wrong with them or it is because it's something they are necessarily struggling with or something that radically needs change in them, but everything to do with how they are surviving and the circumstances that they're left with. So right. we have to first recognize that the vast majority of everybody in the American uh, criminal system is underneath the poverty line. So that True. and contend with their issues that way instead of putting billions and billions of dollars into policing and incarcerating the most under-resourced amongst us we need to put that money and our resources into helping them because at the end of the day people are only as good as their circumstances and anybody who says different is a fucking liar like i have in in the year 2023 i am a far 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 more mentally stable, better, well-rounded, balanced human being than I was in 2015. And a lot of that is 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 growth. Um, and a lot of that is li better life circumstances. I was fucking broke in 2015. I was broke in 2016. I was broke in 2017. I was stressed the fuck out. Like, if your life is hard, life is hard, and you do not have the resources to deal with it, to make it any better, it's expensive to be poor, you are going to handle life's problems differently that that's just the yep. reality like no matter how yes i'm i'm mature yes i'm you know this and i have therapy i have all these better ways i know myself but even just even just my my better mental health and just my am i knowing myself better and my having a better grasp of myself is also a reflection of my own financial privilege like honestly if i didn't if i didn't that in the time and energy that i have at this point in my in, in my life and no matter what, I could add all this therapy and all this is the next thing. If I, my bills are not paid, if I'm stressed out, if I'm going through it or whatever, I'm far more likely to slap the shit out of you. You see what I'm saying? Right. Everybody so, has a limit. Yeah. It's like, we have to contend with what is like, like, and also one of my friends made this example to me before he, um, black guy, uh, from LA. And, and this was, this was really profound once because I grew up, I grew up in a black majority country. I grew up in the Bahamas and we have tons of poverty like way more like poverty right like poverty and what our wealth disparity mm -hmm. is like our average the bahamas is the sixth most expensive place to live on earth and our average our minimum wage is five dollars and 25 cents and we our dollar is equal yeah yeah it's equal to american dollars so same way okay it costs living more in new york so think about that um right. so i always saw a certain amount of poverty and all these different things but you don't see 
you don't see certain levels or uh, same kind of like violence or different things. And my friend once put it to me like this. He said, it's not even just being impoverished, like in America, being, being black and being poor. It's the juxtaposition to wealth. You know what I mean? It's the seeing, it's the seeing right there. Like I could walk, if I walk 40 minutes down the street and if I just walk straight out of Flatbush and into, into uh, uh, the Jewish community, the purely Jewish white community, whatever, it's a whole different world. And I think right. about that. like how to And it's like that rhetoric. everywhere in America too, it's, though. It's like, exactly. I mean, like I'm in Georgia, like they talk about it in the South, like you go across the tracks, literally everywhere in the South, you go across some train tracks and it's a totally different part of the that city. That changes how, that changes up your psychological makeup. Right. That show that is what you think. Um, what you there's and what you think you're capable of. What, what you think um, your life could ever be. That changes. That changes your responses. That changes your whole your whole psychological makeup and dynamic. Because I'll tell you this. There's something. Yeah. There's a. There's I and I think about this all the time because I'm I'm an immigrant, right? I'm 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 an I'm an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so many ways that I like know a different American that for me is harder because I'm an immigrant. Like on top of being black and anything else, but I'm right. but at the same. I recognize myself as being so much more privileged than even black Americans who who are from here and have American citizenship. And so they have access. They technically have access to a lot of different things that I don't as an immigrant. But the difference is I wasn't raised in a country that was telling me my my race and myself. And inherently, that makes it not for me. You know what I mean? Or that I can't even think of this thing. And I'm so. Yeah, but I also think it's just. I also think it's a testament to the person that you are, because you're you 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 put yourself in other people's shoes. Not not enough of us do that. You know, it's like you can look at the situation and but recognize but, that. But, but, but that's, you know what a, that's something that people give me too much credit for um, in a way that doesn't. Um, let me, because so, people say that to me. I don't put myself in anybody's shoes. I put myself in my own shoes. Like the black, it's, that's the thing what yeah. I realized about moving to when I see like little diaspora wars and foolishness, like. I came to America in in 2008, right? So I'm 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 my daddy is Nigerian, my mommy is Bahamian, so I'm African, African Caribbean, um, black, and not a black American. Um, and no one gives a fuck in terms of how they mistreat you. You know what I'm saying? No one gives a damn in terms no. of what the black experience is or what any of these things. I know the reason why I know for a fact that they're like that. What it isn't just me. Um, it's not me just doing because, oh, I realize what the Black American experience is and it's bad or it's anything like that. And I just happen to care about people because I put myself in their shoes. No, it's because white America put me in their shoes. White America made it my life experience. That's why I'm like, oh, what the fuck is going on? That's why I had a different perception to figure it out. It was that's what made it so clear for mm. me. It was like, I'm not lying. You know, people think I'm I like you. It's going to sound like I'm joking, but I it felt like I had to do a scavenger hunt when I finally figured out it was racism that was happening. Because you have to understand, I dropped here by myself. My parents and my family stayed in the Bahamas. So I came to America alone and I came because I want to be a lawyer. And I didn't realize white people in a minority in the Bahamas, they get jokes, they get cracked on white payments. I've never, I've never, I didn't realize I watched the same TV shows as Americans. I didn't really, re- I didn't really realize a white majority. It was a thing. I didn't realize white people was mocking you as stereotypes and nobody, I had no conversations, no nothing about it. So it was like, I get there my first year I'm in Florida and they're making like these low stereotypes and comments to me, but they don't make sense because they're so the, the, the caricatures and what they think of black people is so illogical. If you're not from this country, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? They, black people don't care swim. I'm from an island. What are you saying to me? So I, I couldn't even figure out that they're being, I'm like, what is, what are these people talking about? Then I got to West Virginia and they're just saying all these banana shit. And when I started tra- starting to figure it out was, I remember I had this English teacher. She called me in, in, in my entire, entire classroom to tell me how I was going to flunk out of, she believed that I was going to flunk out of college. Right. And I'm just like, what? I'm sitting there like, 
what the Why fuck would is you this say lady that? No, no, fuck. Like, what mm. is this lady talking? My daddy went to Oxford. My daddy's an architect. My mommy's a CPA. My, my daddy has a my, right. my daddy went to Oxford on a full scholarship. My mommy has a master's. My big sister's in college. I've never failed the test in my life. Who the fuck is she talking to? And what is she talking about? And so it's like, you start to figure out, oh, shit. It's a, it's a, cause I'm, oh, cause I'm black. This is a thing. This is what's yeah, happening. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So it isn't just like, oh, cause I'm putting myself in their shoes and figuring out it's because I was forced to wear the same shoes. So it's less, it's, it's, it's less altruistic, but it is more like, all right, that allows me to think about other people and, and, and it, it allows me to expand from there to thinking about other people. But it was first because they made it my agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like the world, the reason why we have so many problems in the world is because people don't take that up, whether it is they're forced to or they choose to. Not enough of yeah. us take the time to really look at other people's circumstances, you know, and, and, and try to, to feel what that would be like, you know, or even think about it. Like everybody thinks that their, their world is the only world that matters. I wouldn't say everybody, but there's, there's too many people right now that are just, I keep saying it's selfishness versus selflessness, you know, yeah. and the work you're doing is coming from, it's all about intention. Your intention is about, you know, making the world a better place. And we just need more people like us that are trying to do shit like that right now. So I appreciate you. And, and, and all of the, the stuff that you've been saying, I, like I no lies detected. I can't, I can't disagree with it because I totally understand. And the thing is like, people think I'm black, but I'm not. I like I immediately I looked at it like from a young age I recognized I'm I'm Italian. <clears throat> and oh, my dad and Oh I'm white, yeah. So Oh, oh wow, I, like, I you know what? I didn't know. You had me. You had me. I didn't know. I, I actually everybody didn't detect all, it. All right. I mean, and the thing about it is, it's because like from a young age, I was like, I noticed that my parents were racist. And I because the, the actions were not matching the words. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like yeah. we would go through a neighborhood, a black neighborhood, and there would be a, a black man in a suit with a with a briefcase and they would lock the doors. But yet I'd see the crazy white homeless guy with a broken bottle chasing after the car like y'all don't see him. Y'all don't see this crazy <laughs> man chasing us like 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 you're worried about the black man in the suit, but you're not worried about the guy that's chasing after us with a broken bottle. Like, are are yeah. you fucking kidding me? You know, and that was yeah. the type of like at a young age, I started realizing I was like, you know, and then they would say dumb shit. And then, of course, my grandfather was super racist. You know, it all rolls downhill each generation. Like he would make comments about how like the the trolley at the airport was driving crazy and that it must have been and use the N word driving. And I'm like, oh, wow. and, and we would all look at each other like, you know, it's automated, right? Nobody was driving it. Like, yeah. You know, like, like, and, and wow, yeah. And the thing about it is, it's like I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it on this. It's like you know, you never know until you know. And there are things about my experience that you know are unique, but at the same time, I know I don't know what it's like to be black in America. So you know, yeah. I, I just yeah. urge enough white people to be out there to just shut up and listen. Sometimes, yeah, you know, just shut up no. and listen. Oh, you spitting. Oh, thank you, Vesper. This is a beautiful contribution. Well, thank you for having me on here. And you have a wonderful yeah. day, love. You too. Amy. Hi, Amy. All right, let me see. I invited her to be a speaker. There we go. Let's see if... Let me give you a little a few seconds to figure it out, Amy. 
Anybody else, if you have anything, you should jump on the queue. Hi, Janine. I see you on, I see you on my notifications often. Hi. Amy, you figured this out? This is powerful. Okay. I'm about to, I'm about all right, Janine, you come up because Amy, Amy's still figuring it out. Amy, if you're on a browser, that might be what's happening because I know that people, I've seen people say they struggle when it's on the browser. All right, Janine. Janine, you have to unmute yourself. Oh, Amy's here now too. Oh, look at this. Oh, everybody unmute themselves. Hi, I'm so sorry about I'm... that. <laughs> what an absolute shit show immediately. <laughs> um, hi, yeah, so I I wanted to just add a couple of little things. Um, firstly, it's really, like, awful but powerful that uh, despite the many differences that between us, like, your story has so many parallels to my story in terms of, you know, abuse and experiencing that and the betrayal of people close to you that you feel like should, you know, kind of understand where you're coming from and take your word for it and then experiencing that not having. Um, right. So, yeah, so that that is one of those things that you sort of think, oh, you know, this isn't my story, but it feels so close to my story. Um, but thank you for sharing that. Um, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about was talking about like, what do we actually do about this and what do survivors want? And I totally understand and like agree with you about like, mostly it's to stop the abuse from happening and mm -hmm. what practical measures do we take to stop abuse from happening? Um, and so when I, I did a master's in women violence and conflict as part of women's studies. So I was looking yes. into partly to, you know, kind of look into this and see, you know, is there, what can we do? Cause the system we have is clearly isn't working. Um, and it was interesting to kind of look at when we have a, have something like a civil war or a situation where you literally cannot incarcerate all of the people who have perpetrated some kind of violence that is when we sometimes see a different way coming forward. And I'm sort of thinking like imperfect things like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission or yeah. looking at community accountability. What does that look like and how do you actually go ahead with that? Um, because, you know, sexual violence or domestic abuse is like made worse in warfare because it's like in the extremes of our norms of society. So it's kind of like what what when only when we're faced with an inability to actually just incarcerate people do do people seem to take seriously that there could be a, a different way um so yeah so what, i didn't know what your thoughts on that i mean i know obviously something like a truth and reconciliation isn't perfect but i'm looking at I, you know <clears throat> first of all i agree i agree and i think that's actually a very beautiful insight um I, you know, from me as a person, me as a lie, I mean, I just, I've never been particularly, I'm not as focused on responding to the people who've committed and I'm more, so I honestly do think a lot of things is education. As much as people like to think, just think that we think we're, you know, God's gift and we're the saviors, I don't think so at all. I think 
what really makes a, a drastic difference on who people, how people act and how they treat people out in the world is what they believe about the world and what they believe about mm. each other and they're educated. Like I like to think, I think I'm a perfect, a good example because I'm, so according to my family and my ex-boyfriends, um, I am incredibly stubborn. I am not, I'm a person like, you know, and, and my sister, my little sister um, said it to me once. My ex, my ex called me stubborn and I called my sister to be like, you believe, you know, he called me stubborn. And she was like, yes, bitch, what? She's like, yes, the only reason why that works out is because you usually are right. Like you're a well-reasoned person. But she's like, yes, you're stubborn. <laughs> um, and I say that to say like, I'm Bahamian. And when I remember, mm. I remember when I first started college and they had, they had put us in a learning, we had to be in a learning community and the learning community had a bunch of these um, classes that she had to take. And I remember it. Women's gender studies was one of the classes and African-American mm. studies was one of the classes. And let me just hear this, the difference between my 17 year old self or what's we'll say 17, 18, whichever, whichever one <laughs> versus now, right? And who y'all know me to be and know everything that I said. So think about this. I said, who are I going to take African-American studies on black? <laughs> and then I was like, and then on the first day of women's, no, on the first day of women's gender studies class, I remember this like it was yesterday. The professor asked us if we identified as a feminist, why and why not? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, because I don't hate men. <laughs> like, yeah. like, so and so think about what education, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Being, being exposed to a different world or whatever, what that creates, and what a person as dogmatic as me or as fierce about um, what they believe is able to go channel that towards like imagine this level of intensity but about bullshit like about with like the wrong (laughs) like about being you know so i'm like i recognize that if we were that and i believe and i hear this i believe that this is deep down the truth because i think that's why you see you know republicans and everybody do their endeavor best now to prevent certain things from ever being in the curriculum from preventing you from reading from black Mm. from black writers from preventing you from being taught actual history like that is why it's so very important that schools are kept under resource that they that they um suppress uh certain certain entire uh scholarship and thoughts because they need Mm. people to like believe and be taught and indoctrinated to this like fucked up world we currently live in in order to maintain it so i truly think the best to me society is going to be best when when we believe different things like when people realize mm. like oh like i wouldn't have re- i would have if that the kind of mentality i had at that age without having been educated different and reading and being exposed to different things i'd probably be an internalized misogynist spewing all kind of bullshit that fucking mm. nonsense like all the time like a lot of people because you ever when you see people say bigoted things and really ignorant things and you just and you just know all the things they don't know you know all the different uh uh underlying misconceptions and foolishness they're operating on i think the best thing that we're ever going to do is really start like like educating men and women and those of us mm-hmm. around us because a lot of men like a lot of people i'm not gonna keep i'm not gonna start the story just because i feel like you know we've been here long um <laughs> but a lot of people not even realize how fundamental like they will deny like if you said it to them they will want to fight you tooth and nail but they'll illustrate mm-hmm. to you and they think how it, when they when they tell a story versus how they perceive a woman something that happens to a woman versus themselves or blah blah blah, becomes mm-hmm. clear that they don't see us you know as equal or what it is and that informs you know it's not the inability to understand that they are abusing it but if you don't if mm-hmm. you dehumanize if you dehumanize entire populations or women or whatever it is, you're not going to see harm and abuse against them the same way and all these different things. I, I think education is honestly the answer. That's my belief. That's my true to true to honest God belief system, which is why I, why I put myself in imposed curriculum all year. Why I'm always reading. Why I have a learning audience. <laughs> trying to add. No, yeah, I just I, I mean this is my genuine like <laughs> this is my genuine day to day 
uh, struggle because I feel like if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna be a thinker, people are gonna refer to you like I really want to have some answers. I really want to have thought about some things. I really want to constantly be trying to like figure this shit out and try to figure out the best ways and all the ways to communicate that as much as possible to the world, so whoever could hear it and take something from it can just latch onto it. Like I don't want to engage. I don't. I don't want to run on with nobody. Uh, I just want to tell you like this is what I think. This is what I've been thinking. This is what I said. This is what I've been exploring. These different things and hope like that kind of just over time starts to change the way you know. Uh, people respond to things and think about this the more they do and do their part. So that's why I think talking and getting educated and sharing those different thought processes and checking the people in our lives is such an effective way. You know, it, it doesn't get all the glitz and glamour of people realizing they're going to award you like you creating all the change. But I think that's where change is created and in, in shifting social consciousness. And that happens based on what the people around us espouse, what they check, what they this, what they blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm I'm a tutor, so um, I tutor sixteen to eighteen year olds, um, and it's sociology, psychology, and criminology. So I, you know, kind of looking through the textbooks and sort of saying, "Fucking Charles Murray, come up all the bastard time," and then you know, not having, but not having the alternative, not having you know harm reduction or any kind of abolition at all even remotely mentioned within any of those texts and so sort of exactly. so then being able to find you know other or having to find is you know other examples and fortunately you're one of them which is amazing to say this isn't the only way there are lots and lots of other ways of doing this and and you are being intentionally kept from that information because it upholds the power structures that are already existing. So, yeah, no, I completely, absolutely agree with you and, and have seen it. And also it's in a way it's kind of harder to cop to kind of try to um, explain and explore this with people who you care about, who you love, like family and friends who are saying something that you fundamentally don't agree with. But it's yep. much easier to kind of shout at someone who you think of as the enemy than to engage with someone you care about and you love and say, okay, this is why that's harmful and, and really talk it through. And I think that's also one of the things that intersects a lot with domestic abuse because you care about the person who is abusing you and you see yeah. the good in them and obviously that otherwise you wouldn't be there so yeah. there's all these different layers of complexity and 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 you know kind of the constellation of abuse all the different ways that somebody manipulates you and, and traps you that make it so much harder than i think most people can really understand but then when you do that work and you kind of you know, can can decide who is worth putting the time into, you know, having those discussions with and, and who is never going to listen to you. You can You're make the difference right. where you can. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your accent from, Amy? Oh, I so I'm um, from Yorkshire. I'm currently in York, so I'm, I'm in old York. <laughs> Ooh, I got fans everywhere. I know, <laughs> I know right? Uh, you do. I love it. This, the, this uh, happens... A I meant to comment on that on my last episode on, on hearing all these different accents. Like, ooh, who's got international appeal? <laughs> yeah, you, 100%. Amy. Oh, thank, thank you. So thank much, you so much for speaking to me. Yeah, you're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bye, Amy. All right, Janine. <laughs> I learned how to mute myself. Yes, hey, boo. Hi, so it's Janine. So I'm Cabo Verdean. Janine. So you have Cabo Verdean fans, too. So, okay, I love this. Okay, oh. okay, immigrants. Okay, green cards. Yes, um, I love this. 
yes, you you do need to get that citizenship though. Um, so I Listen, will be I'm brief. Trying. I know, I know you guys have been on for a while. I I I figure it's so hard to think about what to say, um, but I wanted to tell you. I appreciate you so much. I wanted to say something for all of us that are survivors on the call. Um, I'm 46 years old. I was assaulted when I was 18, 19 in college. Um, He was black. The community reacted as we expect. Um, Dragged me and stuff and, you know, said I was a traitor to the race and all the things. This was like the 90s, so it was even crazier then. But then it's more of the same. And I, when I was listening to you and reading your pieces, I could just feel like my heart rate go up and all the things that happen. And so I just wanted to say to you, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for your honesty. But also thank you for the resilience then I wrote on the chat. And now I want to say thank you to like young Ole for okay. getting you safe. I mean, let's all like deep bow to that kid <laughs> when things happen to you like happened to me like happened to so much so many of us what happens when violence happens to your body is that you get cast aside you yeah. the, the world breaks into two two parts the people who never had that happen to them and think they control their body and it's safe and then us and making our way back into wholeness might take a whole lifetime and that's why abolition makes sense because the harm, it far exceeds the crime. Wow. Far exceeds. And that's why we get it. We get that it has to be abolition because if you could put that nigga in jail, it would do nothing to the, right. to the two decades. You know what I mean? To what right. it was like to, to have a boy child who's now 22 and what it was like to raise him to not be a perpetrator, to have right. that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the idea that putting him in jail or, I mean, for me, now that I'm 46 years old, I know that somebody's kid that did that to me. I know that yeah. his mama didn't raise him to do that to me. I know that patriarchy raised him to do that to me. And so I just, I wanted us to remember today to whether you like burn the sage or like listen to Beyonce or whatever it is that you Ole do and everybody else on the call, make sure you settle your nervous system because your nervous system is activated right now with all the trauma and it, you need to tell your body that it's safe. Yeah. Virginia, okay. first of all, I'm incredibly profound and you should write that in the essay. I want you to know <laughs> that this, this episode will be published after this and you really should go and get the little transcript from that part and go write that because then sparse. Like, them, you don't know it? That was incredibly profound. Just like, very, very it's profound. True. Also, you pulled my card because I burned sage and listen to Beyonce. Both of those yeah, things like, are me. Yeah, you gotta like, it's like emotions are a tunnel and you gotta get through the, you know, you gotta let the emotion conclude itself and today, we all need to go and do whatever we need to, to tell our nervous system. We're okay. It's okay. Wind, wind it down. This was beautiful. Thank you so much, Janine. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. You're the greatest. And also those peasants on, on the internet, please, girl. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best not to, to let them live oh. this year. <laughs> I'm letting them live. <laughs> Bye, Janine. Thank you. <laughs> Tosin, did you? I saw you on the lineup and then you disappeared. Did you? Did you still want to come? Did you still want to talk, Tosin? 
Tosin, Tosin's a personal fave, so I. <laughs> Hi, Tosin. Hello, Olayemi. How? Are you? Hi. Thank you, like thank you so much for being um for like for being so vulnerable to to share that. I'm not gonna repeat anything that Janine said. I think she just said it so perfectly. Um, yeah. But yeah, having the vulnerability to be able to, um, I guess, clap back in <laughs> with grace, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, just thank you. For when I came on before, I was trying to like find out a little bit more about what Amy was talking about because I think. You answered her question, but I wanted to know what was the answer to her own question from her perspective, because, yeah. um, like, how, how do we get, it's probably like that accelerationist argument, but how do we get there fast? How do we get people to think less about incarcerating people and being punitive? How do we get people to think about how, how do we re rehabilitate these folks back into society? I don't think there is a fast, like, I don't think there is a fast way to do it. Right. Like, cause when you think about it, we are, we're just coming into a, a discourse and a problem that has existed way before us. Right. Like, you know, that James Baldwin quotes where he's like, it's taken my father's time and my grandmother's time and my mother's time and my time, like how much time, you know, it, it this is all, this is, this is ongoing. That's why, you know, Audrey Lord would say there are no new pains there. It isn't fast. I think, but when you think about it, we are somewhere incredibly far in the sense that abolition, abolition, people have been fighting for this world or trying to create this world since Jump Street, right? Like it's not, it's not new to people know, like the 13th Amendment was carved out with the, ex with the express exception, oh, we'll allow slavery for this. Like they know what it is. There've been people opposing this from the jump. There've always been people opposing these systems. There've always been people, people calling out um, these kinds of things and trying to fight for that world. But it, it's a lot, it's a lot. Um, to push against the status quo because the status quo is violently maintained. It doesn't, you know, stay that way without people who are being, being able to violently maintain it. And I, as someone who now, like, everything that I talk about, everything that I espouse, everything that I argue, that I put out in the news, that I argue for in, in, in legislation and reform and all these things, are, I'm educated by the Huey Newtons of the world, the George Jacksons of the world, the Asada Shakurs of the world, people, people they kill, people they make political prisoners, you know, like, like that's how far the world has come or we've come in this movement that you're able to present things that used to get put on the FBI's watch list and treated as a radical and killed in the streets. You can go on mainstream news. You, you might, you're still the minority. You still got to fight tooth and nail. You still don't get the same access to the space, but you've come far, far further along and, and you don't see progress. We don't see I, like you see tragedy you see when you see when there's a problem but you can't see when it's prevented like in the sense that like we pushed bail reform bail reform in new york city happened in in january 2020 since that happened there's over 200,000 people that have not been subject to criminalization and yeah you know the 19 people who died last year but you don't know all the lives that you saved you see you'll never know that so we are well it'll never be fast but we'll never be able to see and really truly appreciate the 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 progress and how far you've come because how far you come comes in the lives you've saved and the tragedy you prevent it's like that um oh i think it's an old chinese proverb um, proverb about the man that builds a tree isn't building for now he's building for like the future generation so i think we can just do the best that we can um right yes. now 
I was really moved by what Vesper and Jam were saying. I like these, you know, we're always talking, there's all this discourse about toxic, uh, toxic masculinity here and there. Um, like, yeah. I feel like these are the, these are the kind of like voices that we need to sort of amplify. Um, yeah. Be- because like especially with jam as well, like you get that great level of vulnerability, but it's still assertive and it's still able to sort of tell you. I, 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 as a man, I find him really inspiring. I feel like you know if these are the kind of voices that we want to amplify. To that point, actually, your um the the guy that that sort of did what he did to you, the, the criminal, basically, I think he's a criminal. Um, <laughs> actual, yeah, the criminal that did what he did to you. Um, did he have a father figure in his um no. growing up? No. no. Because I feel like, you know, I know we all have our feelings about Hussein, but um, I feel like when, when, when we, like, but I, I get his point as well. And obviously, like, you know, I'm a Nigerian as well. And I'll, I'll tell you a story about like, so my sister watches you on Rising as well. And, you know, but again, she, she might not always agree a hundred percent because she always thinks from the perspective of, well, for the victim, what do we do? So the victim has just been beaten up. So what is, what is atonement for that victim? And I feel like, and I feel like sometimes we, the people on our side, like we, we need to spend more time as well, acknowledging the victim's perspective, which I think obviously is what you've tried to do with the first essay that you wrote and people are losing their minds. Um, but yeah, I feel like we need to make a lot of emphasis on how do we get atonement or how, how do we get some closure? for the victim of the crime, even though we- mm-hmm. I guess I think there's something that we also have to contend with in actual in, in actuality is that most of the victims of crime are the are the advocates on the forefront of changing this criminal system, right? Like if you live in a world, think about this, we live in America where they constantly tell you, well, and this is not true because crime is where you put the magnifying glass and where you choose to police and what you choose to perceive as crime. But in our neighborhoods, if we're, we're the ones constantly, uh, they, they paint us as the high crime areas, like we're the ones committing crime, right? But we're also the ones experiencing crime then too. It's all happening intracommunally. We are the ones, it's victims, the advocates, it's victims, it's, it's the actual community people. The, those are the people that are choosing to go be, you know, public defenders, go choosing to go be ref, like activists, go choosing to be this. There, I don't know anybody in the organizer activist space or doing any of this work or pushing any of these things that is not somebody that is the victim of crime or isn't somebody that experienced crime. I think we have to, we also have to stop changing, I think, responding to responding to what happened to people or harm as like, why is that response punitive? You see what I'm saying? Like, why is that that? And also recognizing that the voices that we are listening to, we don't actually listen to the voices at the table um, that actually are experiencing. That was a conversation I was having with CBS yesterday is... Um, we don't we don't actually hear from them. We don't actually listen to the community. When we hear people talking about when they when they talk about being afraid and all these different reasons why they need more policing and stuff, it's always people who are telling you about another community they don't live in. Like, oh, correct, they're saying they're simultaneously saying crime happens exclusively in the black neighborhoods while saying they're afraid. You know what I mean? So you're not the ones that experience crime, but they never the, the microphone never gets handed to the people that actually live in those communities. I think we also have to contend with the reality that the people that are living in the communities most impacted and affected by crimes are the people that are saying to you that mass incarceration policing in the criminal system does not help them or do them any favors. Those are the people that are telling you they don't even believe. You know what I mean? Like how many people in the in 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 the hood and in, in poor communities are telling you they they want 
They want policing. They want people in jail. They want to cooperate with police. But that's literally the opposite of what the mantra is. But I think we also have to contend with the fact that most of the time, the people that are having these conversations about, well, what about the victim and the in in regards to feeling like we need more punitive measures or 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 what about you know fear and crime all that are people who are not living that even 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 within our you know our own racial group like we we still you know the socioeconomic change uh, differences among us you know so a lot of us who are having these conversations who are always pushing you know who are more sensitive to this well we need the and what about this and what about that are never even the people that experience it so like i i get what you mean and i like because yeah. i feel like you you said stuff that it's almost like you're preaching to the choir because I completely kind of agree, but I yeah. still feel like that sentiment is real. And maybe I'm biased because I've yeah. read too much of Zedjelani's tweets and all those kind of people. <laughs> but I think when mm-hmm. you read through some of the stats or the studies, no, no, no matter how biased mm-hmm. they might they might be, there is a huge subset of of black people um, that still, for some for whatever reason. Um, still sort of advocate for the punitive measure. I'm going to give an example. Um, yeah, I don't of remember. Course. But of course, we're av- we're educated, and of course, like black people are hell- highly. We're we're a conserv- black people are a conservative bunch in general. Like if it weren't for if it weren't for racism in America, like black people are the like, shoots Bahamians conservative, like a baby, like a conservative, like yes, Bahamians like uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. I think we're because of course we're we're all being indoctrinated and educated in the same society, teaching it to us and presenting it this way and giving us these race neutral looks to us and teaching us, you know, that's what most of my work is about, is about recognizing that we are all being educated and it's not really this like white versus black, blue versus red. We're all being indoctrinated into this um into believing and endorsing the society that happens to be harmful for us, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, my mama, I call my mama white moderate all the time. My mommy is exactly my my mommy's die hard them she'd be ready to fight me over nancy pelosi i i i very much so <laughs> i know trust me i know i know that i know they're there <laughs> highly aware toasted trust tr- trust me i have a i have a problematic auntie that says to people oh she can have black feet blacky stuff blacky stuff so trust trust that i know <laughs> like i i know toasted <laughs> All right. I'm going to say uh, one last thing and I'm going to let my man yes. um, Isaac come back up. Um, I'll sort of yeah. quickly wrap up on the first one I made before. I felt like if the gen- if the criminal had maybe a father figure in his life, maybe, and I'm not saying this, maybe I'm just generalizing, but maybe he was locked up by Biden's crime, freaking crime bill, for instance. If he'd had a father figure in his life, perhaps he might have had a different outcome. Um, the other point I was also going to make finally will be I think I might have heard the statistics from you, but I feel like majority of the crime or the majority of the reason why people are in jail anyway are not necessarily for violent crimes. They're usually for fines or other things. And I think, um, so my background is in like Lean Six Sigma and they, there's a thing about, um, using like a 80 20 rule. So focus on like the 20% of things that will give you 80% of the results. So I, whilst we're having this conversation, I don't, I, I want to emphasize the fact that majority of the things are not always violent crimes. Yeah. And when we push for abolish, um, abolishment as well, it's it's mainly around the other nonviolent crimes as well. So over eighty um, percent of all arrests nationwide in the U.S. are for misdemeanors, traffic offenses, or nonviolent crime. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. Said that more more eloquently than I could. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I say it all the time. You know, and you say something like every day, it be it rolls off the tongue, Tosin. It rolls off the tongue. All right, yeah. but no, always Thank nice. You to so you. Thank you so much for Thank you so much for being vulnerable as well. 
But yeah, thank you. Thank you. I don't know if y'all know, but I'm in love with Tosin. Um, all right, Isaac, you're going to be my last caller. Hi, Isaac. Hello. Hi. Raheem, please stop screaming at me. Y'all hear him? I'm sorry. Sorry, yes. Isaac. My cat is upset. No, no, you're, I mean, cats get upset at little things, you know. But yes. uh, I had just a silly thing. Uh, I would never normally be able to call into your show because I'm always busy <laughs> on that night. So I'm just taking the opportunity. Just a silly oh. thing. I was curious about uh, what anime you're watching currently. Okay, so let me see. What anime am I watching currently? I should turn on my TV. I forget what I'm watching currently and what I want to go and go watch. I want to go. Um, I want to go and start watching um, Tenchi Muyo again. Did you watch Tenchi Muyo? Is he the ghost guy? No, Tenchi. Tenchi had all the bitches. Like that was. That was Tanti was in a house full of a bunch of gals. Like I don't oh. even remember why, but he had all the hoes. Like they was in the house, and and they were like aliens. I don't know. His bitches was cute. Some was like demons. Well, maybe one was like half demon. There was a princess. Then there was regular gals. One was a little maybe had a tail. I don't know. He had a lot of gals, but I just remember Tanti Muriel went crazy. I'm thinking of going back and watching. Oh, I'm watching Naruto right now. I started Naruto from the beginning. The OG one? Yeah. That's and what I am. How does it hold up? Honestly, I'm with it. I'm with it. I never, I never was a Naruto. I didn't watch Naruto for when I was a kid. Like, you know, I'd watch it like here and there. And, you know, I liked me some Sasuke, but I never was into it. Um, I never was checking for it. I was, you know, more focused on like Dragon Ball Z and Inuyasha and them. Um, but now, mm-hmm. you know, one of my friends asked me to start it. And so I started it. Um, and I'm like, okay. I can get behind this. Did did Shippuden did that? Did they start from the beginning on Shippuden? I read Naruto, so I never watched it. Yeah, I don't. I didn't read it. I have no idea. And I'm fried. And well, also, well, I watched Naruto strictly very fried. So then well, I said, uh, well, I just done it. What What was that? I said, I said, plus I just start, I just started it and I watch it very fried. So you can't ask me no advanced questions. Oh, wait, do you, do yes. you know that, um, that, do you know that Shippuden is a thing? No, not at all. I know nothing about Naruto. Okay, I'm so, not enough. Yo, I, I think that if you want a better experience, even though you might be high as shit when you're doing it, uh, Check out Naruto Shippuden because it was like an updated version of it. Okay, I'll check it out. With like better animation. I will check it out. Although I appreciate some old school animation, but I'm gonna check it out. Oh, for sure. Thank and, you. And so I don't know if Shippuden that's... is the whole thing, but yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Isaac. Thank you for these plugs. Yeah, for sure. Th- Oh, damn. Sorry, Isaac. I clicked remove from speaker. You're still talking my fault. My fault. I'm fast. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to wrap the show up here. I really, really appreciate y'all taking your time out on a Saturday to listen to this impromptu episode and participate. And I know it was a little bit heavy. Well, not a little bit heavy, a lot heavy. Um, But I'll be back to mess next week. Thank you.